I'm Mandy. And I'm Jessica. And this is The Coop. You're listening to The Coop Homeschool Podcast. This is your podcast for community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling. This is episode 40, Educational Gaps. It's educational gaps today. So what does that mean? (laughs) It means people are worried that they're not going to cover what they're supposed to cover. Right. And I'll put that in quotes, in air quotes, what they're supposed to cover. Yes. And either you're questioning it yourself and you feel the stress of that. Am I going to cover everything that fourth grade is supposed to cover? Right. Or somebody else is putting that on you. Like, how are you going to cover everything you're supposed to cover? And we're here to say, well, should I tell them what we're here to say? We're here to say, you won't. You're going to have educational gaps. Every model of education has gaps. Yeah. So we're going to just have a discussion about it. That sounds good. But first, let's get to our scoop on the coop. All right. I'll go. Yeah. Um, My little guy has moved into complete sentences. Oh. So he now communicates using complete sentences. His pronouns are pretty on point. Um, You know, he can say her and his and, you know, without saying she or, you know, he doesn't get all the different pronouns mixed up anymore. And it's crazy how you don't really notice it until somebody points it out. And then you sit back and go, you're right. Just last week, he wasn't saying all of those words strung together. And now he was trying to... He was a whole paragraph. He told me a whole paragraph. Exactly. I was going to say, he was telling you a story today and it was at least three to four sentences. You know, and and he had a point, and even though you need a little context to know what he was talking about, he was telling you a whole story in full, complete sentences. You know, I I just have a question for you. What curriculum did you use to teach him his and her? Oh, you know, that's so funny. I bought, no, nothing. (laughs) Yeah. I speak to him in real sentences. Yeah. So just real life. Right. Real life, reading books, or not correcting it. In a way that to him is telling him he said it wrong. But when he asks, oh, hers book, you know, or says it incorrectly, I'll just say, oh, yes, that's her book. And I repeat it correctly back to him and he hears it. And sometimes he recognizes that he did not say it right and he'll say it correctly again. Yeah. So he's hearing it. And then if he doesn't, it means he's not ready to take it in yet. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Organic. I love that natural learning. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You didn't have to make it a lesson. No, it's not a lesson. Yeah. He's just, he's picking up on the world around him. He's listening and I'm reinforcing it. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, my scoop is, um, well, on episode 38 of our podcast, Reward Systems, we talked about extrinsic versus intrinsic. Mm -hmm. So we suggested, um, whoever's interested, do the motivation challenge. Yes. And first with ourselves. So I did it with myself for yes. about four hours. And it was actually work trying to like, oh, wait, I just, why did I just make my bed? Right. I did it because actually I don't have fun in making the bed, but I have fun. I love how it looks after. So that was yes. extra, extrinsic. So we had it on our stories and it was a really neat exercise because what I found was I was primarily ex- extrinsically motivated. Mm-hmm. You know, except like vacuuming, I love finding dust balls or hairballs. That's awesome. And and sucking them up. And so it actually makes it's it pleasing. It's yeah. very yeah, it's like a dopamine release when that happens. It's crazy. That's hilarious. So I saw I do have an intrinsic reward with vacuuming. All right. 
And then uh, my other intrinsic rewards were um, helping my child make her book that she mm-hmm. wanted to make and also um, helping the kids with their math. Right. So um, so the schooling aspect. Oh, we also um, did a, um, a cluster diagram about who was Elvis Presley because oh, he finished his book. And I wasn't sure how was it was going to go. I was a little... You know, I had unacknowledged anxiety that I realized disappeared. I realized sure. I had anxiety about it once it disappeared. Right. You know, and they're shouting, they're shouting their answers. They're like, he was a singer. Girls tried to take his clothes off. You know, like right. it was really cute. You know, yeah. it was from the Who Was Elvis Presley book. Right. And so, um, and after a while, I was like, can we stop shouting? Because I'm now shouting. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really fun. And they were having so much fun and making each other laugh and giggle and but I was like, yeah, that was, um, it was both extrinsic because I wanted them to learn informational text, right. but the process was really fun. So that was an intrinsic reward I had. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So, all right. So let's get to educational gaps. Yes. Okay. So, you know, people say this all the time. How do you know what to teach and how do you know you're going to cover everything or, you know, and, or how do you know if you're not getting behind? So it's a little different than, you know, feeling like you're getting behind, that your kid is getting behind. That's a different kind of pressure. Yes. Um, But it's related. Yes. But we're going to talk about the idea that what if my kid doesn't learn certain things that they're supposed to learn at a certain time of their life. Sure. So how do you know what's maybe developmentally appropriate? And I say maybe because just because the government says... It's developmentally appropriate. It doesn't mean it is, especially for your unique child and your unique situation. Right. And then it's the approach. You know, it's not necessarily that the content is or is not developmentally appropriate. It's having so much content at specific ages. You know, is that a requirement that's developmentally appropriate? Right. Because, okay, so standards. Let's just start with standards. People refer to standards to know that, oh, I'm I'm moving along as as I should. Right. And there's not going to be any gaps. Well, so I have I have my kids' standards in front of me. Right. And I have the fourth grade, you know, language arts. I can read. So California, we have these I can statements right. to help you with the standards. So I can explain a story by referring to details and examples in the text. I can figure out the theme of a fiction text by thinking about the details in the text. So they're really spelled out for you. Right. And these aren't things I actually ever do, but... But it is nice to look back and say, actually, he can do those things. My can, yeah. Yeah. You know, even my kindergartner could do some of these things, you know. So so you can use those as a gauge if you want. But uh, what tends to happen, what I've noticed, is some people get so into these standards that now their feeling of success is tied to the standards. Right. And so that's what I think makes it hard because... There's such a bombardment of education and information in these things, and there's not a lot of space to dive deeper. Right. And that's the gift of homeschooling is getting to dive deeper and not yeah. say, but wait, we have to we have to move beyond indigenous Americans because we have to get to missions now. Right. I'm sorry if you wanted to learn more. We yeah. have to put it on hold and move on. No basket weaving for you because there's no time. We have to get on to the next standard. Yes. You know, so so that's something to be careful of if you feel the pressure of having some kind of educational gap right. in relation to standards. Right. And then I wanted to say, even at that, um, I think the standards in and of themselves 
are just so robust. Mm -hmm. There are so many across multiple subjects. As you know, I'm a dance educator, and there are dance standards nationwide, per state, through dance organizations. There are standards for teaching dance education to K through 12. There are also music standards and fine art standards. But those three major standards, while fully developed for every state, they are often not applied to the school day. They are left behind. Those are left out altogether. Yeah. Oh, totally. Right? You know, and then you understand there's limited time to, to teach everything. So that's the idea of the gap. It's it's the whole economics principle. You have limited resources, right? Mm-hmm, you have scarce mm-hmm. the scarcity. You have a scarce amount of time. And so what do you do with that time? And so you have to choose, well, we have the luxury as homeschoolers of choosing what our gaps are. Yeah. If the dance standards are more important to me than something else, then I can substitute that in. But the traditional schools don't have that flexibility and right. they choose. And so choosing traditional school may mean that you're choosing that at the what do I detriment. Want to at the detriment of these other important subject areas. Well, and choosing a homeschool charter school mm-hmm. that is a standards-based charter school, yeah. which most are. Right. You know, in a order to get a charter, charter. Yeah. yeah, a publicly funded charter school still has these standards mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't plan on doing Indigenous Americans this year for my fourth grader or my third grader. And that's part of, you know, I did Indigenous Americans in fourth grade. Right. You know. Um, but I only did them because I was told by my charter school, right. my charter homeschool, that that is a standard. And it was a huge section of standards. It was like, I don't know, eight or nine of them. Right. So that's a big chunk. Right. So, so then I have to make the decision, do I want to stay with the homeschool charter, even though they're, I'm having to do things that aren't in where we are in story of the world, which right. is what my chosen curriculum is. Right. But thankfully I found a really cool unit study yeah. and we had a great time right. doing it and I'm still doing it. And I'm, we found a primary source that's pretty awesome. So, right. so it's lasting way longer than I thought because it's so interesting to me. So yeah. with that, then the standards did direct me towards something that was right. beneficial and helpful. Right. So, so there's a give and take, right? right? They're not inherently bad. We're not saying the standards aren't helpful. Right. They are definitely a helpful guideline. If you aren't sure what to teach, by all means, go to those standards and see what's typical for each grade level. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, as we always say, be flexible. Yeah. Be willing to change or spend more time on it, which is going to result in something else being left out temporarily. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, is it does it matter if you teach Indigenous Americans in fourth grade or if you came to it organically in fifth grade? Well, I looked it up. Right. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Tell Devel- me more. Developmentally, there is no reason that they have to learn it. In fourth grade, right. other than the the state, oh, what is the organization called? Let me look. The State Board of Education, right, saying that this is a standard for all fourth graders, right? And that I mean, I believe that for them, it's a, a based on a chronology of teaching, mm-hmm. and so if they want to teach world history at this grade and U.S. history at this grade, then for them, it meant that indigenous went here. Yeah. And no one is arguing that it's not a very important topic to teach, but mm-hmm. is a 10-year-old's mind any more apt to take it in? You know? Right. It's, and I actually was 
originally thinking it would be really great to do Indigenous Americans when my kids were older and we could really get into the the deeper concepts right. and the the culture wars and all those, you know, those ideas together. And so now I'm going to be recircling. I'm going to be circling sure. back, right. which is fine. That's fine too. You know, but like my kindergartner is getting it now because mm-hmm. we homeschool as a multi-level, right. multi-grade, multi-age right. family. Right. The one room schoolhouse. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're all getting it. And, right. um, so yeah, so standards are kind of just a, an, they provide a benchmark. They provide mm-hmm. validation right. if, if you're not sure, but um, they're not absolutely necessary. Right. And so, um, but that's one way to know. Yes. Another way to know is your curriculum. Like if you really love your curriculum, if as long as they're progressing, that's mm-hmm. a way to know what what you're what you're teaching them. Yeah. And I was I was thinking about Matthew C, for example, and I was like, oh, they don't really have like a huge amount of units on shapes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not yeah. a lot of that, but then it gets sprinkled in every it now does. and then. And then perimeter gets sprinkled in. And then right. my son's about to do volume. Right. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting way. It's just really spread out and sprinkled right. in. and gives them a break from like, you know, the, the times tables. And then right. all of a sudden he's going to be doing volume. And right. so it's a neat. Yeah. My daughter through the multiplication in, in her Matthew C book is learning pints, quarts, and yeah, cups. Right. Organically in the context of solving word problems. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have five quarts, how many pints do you yeah. have? You know, and so right. it's helpful that it's always in the context of, of something. You know, it's not a um, a lecture. Mm-hmm. They're not just sitting there trying to take in this information. We expect them to memorize and regurgitate. Rather, they're using it to help solve, you know, application yeah. problems. Well, and one of the reasons I picked, I, I went the way of curriculum is because I had a curriculum I wasn't using. So we didn't use the curriculum for years, even mm-hmm. though it was awesome. Right. It was just too teacher love it. Yeah. And so we, they had a couple of years where they didn't do any math other than like the Kumon books. Right. And then I started wondering, wait, are there educational gaps? Right. If I had a fuller curriculum that said, this is book one, book two, you know, alpha, right. beta, gamma, epsilon or delta or epsilon, whatever. Right. Then I know that the gaps will be handled. Right. But um, but when you're just pulling workbook here, workbook there, you're like, wait, did they get everything right. that will take them to the next level? So curriculum is a, a big help in that as sure. well. Uh, another one is interests. Yes. So to me, it would be a big educational gap if my kids didn't get to look at anything they're interested in. Like right. that would be really sad if they're not getting to read the books they want to read. Right. You know, now there's books that people assign all the time because there's certain books you're supposed to read at a sure. certain level, but th- th- those are sometimes our read alouds or yeah. I was afraid of them growing out of picture books. Right. So this year I made a big focus on picture books. I'm going to do the carry it through next year because I sure. didn't even get to like half of them. <laughs> right. And, and so I get to just carry that through yeah. as long as I don't feel like they're 15 and I'm still like, let's do a read aloud of a picture book. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so their interest, you want to give space for their interests and your interests too. Like why totally. not share you? Exactly. Yeah. And then also where you see, see a need. Mm-hmm. So if they want to do something, they want to write up, you know, my daughter is writing chapter books right mm-hmm. now. And then I'm realizing, oh, she doesn't have any knowledge of, of, you know, separating, you know, quotes from people or, right. you know, um, dialogue. Right. So then I teach it to her. Yes. Oh, exactly. she's not capitalized the first letter of every sentence, even though I've told her to do that. 
now she's really honing in on that. Right. When she has me read, I'm like, can you just go through and capitalize all the things that need right. to be capitalized first? Because that's really frustrating to me when I read it. Yeah. And so she knows to do that. Right. You know? She can self-edit now. Yeah. And and so, so and that goes with, you know, her, her, her need to do something right. and it's an organic way. Right. And in the retroactive way, you are checking off I can statements, but it doesn't matter whether those are third, fifth, sixth I can statements because she got it done. Yeah. And she did it and she's going to remember now because whatever she did was led by her interest and important to her. Yeah. No, yeah. I love that. Okay. So with homeschooling though, there will be educational gaps. Yes. So whether you're, like you said earlier, whether you're traditional schooling, private schooling with traditional or Montessori schooling, home, whatever it is, right. there's going to be educational gaps. Yes. And I was talking to the spouse and he was like, well, the coolest thing about homeschooling is you get to pick those gaps. Right. We're in control of that. Yeah. Whereas if their schedule is so busy being at eight hours a day mm -hmm. at, a, at a school, they, there's no space in their day right. to to pursue the gaps that they're interested in. Right. You know, the, the things that they're not covering in school, they're interested in. So those interests don't get developed. Yeah. They can't dive deeper. Exactly. And and what's so cool is like, since we are doing Indigenous Americans, mm -hmm. I'm like, I know my girls would love basket weaving. Right. So we got to dive into that. Right. You know, we still have our leather art to do. We're going to be doing that. So cool. Yeah. And then the primary source I'm reading aloud, they're... They're kind of done now that she's gotten a little older. Right. But I'm going to keep reading it aloud because yeah. I'm interested. Right. And I think there's stuff to gain from it. And they can play with their Legos and their sure. slime while they They're listen. They're taking it in. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that in Balance of Exposure, episode 35. Mm -hmm. We talk about the challenge of finding the right balance between enough time at home, enough time for free time, and exposing them to a broad variety of things to help them narrow down what interests they have, you know, to see if they have a natural skill or a natural, you know, proclivity towards something, because we'd love to nurture that. But how do you figure that out with, you know, these infinite possibilities, yeah. you know, and, and all of the different influences that change for them, you know, do they, both of our girls love writing and they're writing mm -hmm. books and they love mm -hmm. movies. How much of that is independent and how much of that is because one or the other started it? Right. You yeah. know, I, I have no idea. Well, and like, I know like my daughter loves typing right? But, and I just thought, oh, probably time for her to learn typing. I'll sign up for Clever, this right. software, you know, online. And and then that's when it really took off because sure. she's not having to do it with her hand. Right. Yeah. So, so now she can type and she loves doing anything on the computer. Exactly. You know? So it's just very interesting, but letting them have time to explore and figure it out is important while you balance it. And so the balance of exposure is just the different aspect of what we're talking about, but it's very closely related to yeah. this conversation about educational gaps because you still have to come to terms with, you can't possibly teach them everything there is to know and yeah. by what time, you know, by when, you know, and so, you know, I, I know you're probably about to segue there yourself, but we were talking about the long view. Right. You know, like at what point are you looking towards? Are exactly. you only looking at one school year and all the things that you need to check off in one school year? Because I'm not. Right. I mean, and the thing is, we want lifelong learners. Right. So I don't really remember much, you know, from elementary school. 
you know, barely anything impacted me academically. Sure. And so I do sound like a ditz when I'm around people when they're talking about academic stuff that, that, but they know it because they studied it again in college, but then took it as common knowledge. Whereas I think a lot of us don't remember elementary school stuff because we're bombarded with so much. Right. And so to take the long view is like, is this something, am I giving them a skill or helping them learn a skill that they can, when they're 35 and they're finally interested in dolphins, they can look it up and then go take a class and become a dolphin trainer. Right. You know, so, um, you know, there was this quote I saw online and, and it was from, uh, FordhamInstitute.org and their article was do standards matter. Right. And it was, it said one of the quotes in there was in the article was what isn't taught is not likely learned. And I completely disagree with that. Right. And I like from the classroom point of view, Mm -hmm. it's not likely learned in the classroom. Right. But there's so much learning that goes on that us parents have no idea is happening in our own homes, you right. know, which is amazing. Like the, 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 just through their play, their interactions with their yeah. friends, being outside for hours. Like yeah. there's so much learning and interest building that's happening. And if there's no space for that and you're just bombarding them with only the standards, right? you're going to have a lot of educational gaps if right. you stick to the standards. Right. And you have a lot of burnout, quite yeah, frankly, you right. know, for, for those kinds of students who aren't gifted with academics and you're forcing all of these things and they don't even get one interest-based subject to work on or they can't do it at their own pace. Yeah. They're burned out. And then you're trying to tell them they need to go to college. And now, you know, there's a lot of things going on. But had someone just said, what do you want to study? Yeah. And let them figure it out at younger ages. Maybe they wouldn't be so opposed to education. Right. And that's obviously not the majority of people. But I think there's a fair amount of people who are totally burned out by 18. Well, yes, it's called senioritis. Right. And they they don't even want to go to school. Right. And it's, you know, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And then the the thought of college and many people go anyway. And then how many are changing majors? They're not sure. They get a degree that they're not going to use because they were just expected to go. So how much of it is really from an internal passion to learn and how much of it is just this expectation, mm-hmm. you know? And so those are just different life gaps that they're having yeah. outside of educational gaps. You know, the the education, the academics were at the detriment to their own personal development. Right. And, you know, you hear, like, you know, I heard someone at a conference, she wanted to get into New York School of Art. She mm-hmm. had never been interested in math, but right. they said she needed to know, she needed to be able to pass this math exam. Mm-hmm. And since she was homeschooled and didn't really ever do math, she said, I studied for three weeks. Right. And she ended up getting a merit scholarship. Right. So, you know, there's not that I would want to wait to teach my kid math till she's no. or he's 17. And there are certain elements to developing the brain and things like that. But just to keep that in mind, like the pressure, like the pressure does not need to be there. Right. If a kid wants to become a doctor and they figure it out at 16, 17, or 20, and they want to do it, they can close all of those gaps themselves. Mm-hmm. There's that desire and the ability to do it. But, you know, there's you're not going to prepare every kid for everything out there. Know, right. You know, and that's not what the standards are necessarily trying to do. They're just trying to reach a broad base and have yeah. a common ground, you know, and so the standards are just one way of yeah. doing and it. And there's a lot of merit in it to make sure kids mm-hmm. are... Pro- 
uh, you know, progressing, but don't let that dictate who, who you are in your homeschooling and, and what content, all the content you give your child, you know, yeah. like our suggestion is to just be more open. Right. You know, I was just thinking of what you were just saying about, well, so when you potty train a child, if you potty train them at a year and a half, it might take a bit longer than if they're four. And I actually right. potty trained one of my children at age four and it literally took a day. Right. Because that child was developmentally ready for that right. at, at that, that point. point in time. Now, if that child was ready at two years old, it would have taken a day then, you know, right. but, but when I tried at two years old, that child was like not having a successful experience. No. So then I was like, forget it, right. you know, and then you try at four and it takes one day. Boom. Right. But think about all the time you could have spent trying to force it on the two year old, the hours of forcing sitting on the potty, the, the pain of cleaning up mess and, you know, the, the, shaming. the shame. Yeah. yeah. You know, and think of all of the things that you weren't doing in those hours because you felt like this was something that needed to happen at this stage of life. Right. Or this age. And, yeah. yeah. Crazy. I know. I know. It's just goes to show, you know, there's no one way to parent. There's no one way to do these things. And it's all just your personal conviction, your calling, your checking in with on with your individual child, you know, and as we've always said, we love the freedom that we have in homeschooling to, to listen to our children and to teach them in a way that's good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And not worry about the educational gaps. I figure we'll cover it eventually. And if she wants to know it, she's going to learn it. Yeah. She'll learn it. She'll learn it when she's 50 if she needs to. If she feels like an idiot because she didn't know something when she's 25, she'll probably look it up and figure it out. Yeah, like facade and facade. Right. You (laughs) figure it out. I definitely don't know everything. I'm, you know, like a grown woman and there's things I'm like, oh, you think that's common knowledge? No idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. It's time for our new segment. Coop questions, questions, where we answer your questions. If you have a question that you want answered, contact us through our podcast page at thecoophomeschool.com. I will. Yeah. So our question today is, what are some good educational shows for preschool and elementary aged kids? All right. So what'd you get? So... I always recommend Mr. DeMeo. Oh, yes. And a preschool age, maybe not so much, but I know my, well, she's now six. I know she's loved Mr. DeMeo since she was four. Right. So she might not be getting all the information, but he's hilarious. Mm -hmm. He has, he teaches about the pyramids, the planets, you know, and he's super creative and he's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, Another one is Wild Kratz. Oh, yes. That's on my list. Yeah. Uh, we love wildcats. My kids know so they they know about the African savanna. They know yeah. about so many bugs and animals because yeah. of of that show. Yep. And then there's Molly of Denali. So it oh, takes yeah. place in Alaska, and the the voices are actually, from what I've been told, the people who live in Denali. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Then they show some real life. Um, Alaskan children doing mm-hmm. the things that were represented in the actual cartoon right. portion of it. And so since we went to Alaska two summers ago, right when we got back is when the show started. So I think cool. my kids extra connect to it, mm-hmm. but you learn a lot about Alaskan life right? and the native Alaskans. 
And then also reality shows, like we, my kids love the show alone. And if you're okay with some, you know, language, right. you know, some more mature language. Just colorful. And yeah. some bare butts. <laughs> There's some of that. <laughs> not, in the, not in the season we watched, but that's funny. But there is some yeah. of that. They usually blur it out. Right. Um, but every once in a while they didn't because it was really far away. But I'm like, a butt is a butt. Right. You know. But it was like Alone is a reality show mm-hmm. where one person is put somewhere in, you know, the Arctic or, yeah. or wherever. And uh, Vancouver Island, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. And asked to survive, see how long they could survive. And they have people all alone doing that in different places who can last longest and then we're going to start introducing our kids to the amazing race oh yes so and then they're really going to see the countries we've studied all these countries how great for them to get to see you know and again that's a little more mature i would say that's more middle elementary or upper elementary because there's going to be fighting and frustration Mm -hmm. but that's something we can parent them through and talk about how if that's a family show yeah yeah, people who love each other oh yeah so these shows we watch as a family right these are not put it on yeah so alone you know the amazing race you know uh lego masters was another really good one and so that's there's just one season of that yeah. So those are just some. Um, yeah, I think it really depends on what this this asker means by educational, because I consider all of those reality, not all reality, but those that you mentioned right. and more, um, as well as um, documentaries, to be mm-hmm. quite educational, but they're not necessarily educational like Sesame Street. Oh, you know, they're like not teaching one, two, letters. Three, four. Right. Yeah. So it kind of depends on what you mean, but we've always found value in those kinds of shows, especially the documentaries and the reality shows that we watch as a family that we can talk about. We can talk about the real world frustrations or the teamwork. We love MasterChef in our house. Oh yeah. MasterChef Junior. Yeah, it's amazing what those kids can do. Oh, and my husband and I just love those kids. I cry Aww. every episode. Look how cute they are. Aww. You know, and there's other, you know, um, cooking shows. We just, I can't think of the other one. I'll link it for you on our on our show notes on the podcast page. Um, but we just watched um, a new one. It was like all of these international chefs who were successful, owning restaurants, having Michelin stars, but they were all competing to be, it's called the final table, to sit at the final table with real masters oh, cool. in the culinary industry. And so it was really fascinating, a very good show, nothing inappropriate. I don't think there was a single bad word. It was really, really great to watch mm-hmm. and just to see how all of these chefs from all around the world were in teams and working to create dishes from different countries. They would create the country's signature dish based That's on what awesome. a couple of yeah, um, celebrities or experts in the field would choose. So it was really fascinating, um, a very great inspiration to remember how important food is and not mm-hmm. just because of how it tastes, but where it comes from. Mm-hmm. So it was really great in that way. Um, you know, my little guy, his first favorite show was Puff and Rock, which is oh. just so cute. And it's educational in its own way. You know, it's it's very set up for preschool toddlers. And, um, but it was just so cute. It's more of a character show. You know, there's conflict and they resolve conflict, learning how to work with partners and friends and helping a little baby brother and yeah so it was really cute show he loved that one um daniel tiger was a little favorite people Mm -hmm. people really love daniel tiger because it's like an a nuance of mr rogers neighborhood right 
Um, I was a huge Mr. Rogers fan as a mm-hmm. kid. So Daniel Tiger is a little bit lacking, but really cute. It always had the songs for so for the kids who need the reminder of some of those lessons, you know, grown ups come back, you know. And so I would sing that to Sophia when she was little because she did not feel comfortable saying goodbye to us for even a short amount of time. So we'd remind her like, oh, remember that episode? And you would come back, you know, and that was helpful. We haven't, my son hasn't been as into Daniel Tiger. And I would say for us personally, I it wasn't a turn on any old episode. I definitely mm-hmm. didn't necessarily love every episode. So even still an educational show, I think is very dependent on what you value and what your values are. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to love Cat in the Hat. That oh, was a really fun yeah. one. Yeah. With Sophia. Um, August has maybe watched only a couple. I'm trying to think of what one of the other ones is that they asked for. Oh, well, Magic School Bus. We really like Ma- the oh, yeah. original Magic School Bus. I haven't watched the new ones. My kids loved Super Y. Oh, yes. Sophia liked that one. I'm not... I haven't shown that to August at all. Let he me knows just, all of his letters, though. <laughs> I'm just going to warn everybody against Caillou. Oh, yes. I've heard that Nobody, Nobody I know has ever... Well, actually, let's say everybody I know whose kids watch Caillou regret yes. introducing that show to them. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So, so steer away from Caillou. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. So, I mean, yeah, I really love the documentaries. It's never really too early to introduce, you know, mm-hmm. planet earth. You just maybe okay. don't want to watch the predators episode mm-hmm. or anything that might be too scary for littles. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many amazing documentaries. Well, out even there. documentaries that are kids doing stuff right. are pretty cool. You right. know, there's a spelling bee one. Oh yeah. And that's, fascinating mm-hmm. seeing how they can spell and, and and that documentary there were eight winners that's awesome so they just kept going and going and then finally they said okay you guys all win yeah and then you get to see them in their in their home life as well cool. yeah. yeah awesome thanks for listening we love your support be sure to subscribe to our podcast leave a rating and review to let us know how we're doing and share our podcast with your friends who need a little community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling.